Well, hello everyone and welcome back to another episode of the My Love of Golf podcast. And if you're tuning in in Australia or tuning in from somewhere around the world, I just thank you once again for tuning back in. Appreciate you listening in, appreciate your comments, appreciate your feedback and questions. As always, please keep them coming through. So today I have a very, very special guest and I'm sitting here with the lovely Jackie Glazier. Now, if that name's familiar to you, I wouldn't be surprised because you've probably seen Jackie on the TV or in any one of her other pursuits that she uh, undertakes. And you will know that she is the wonderful wife of my partner in crime in the Mental Mastery Golf podcast, Jamie Glazier. So Jackie Glazier, thank you very much for joining us on the My Love of Golf podcast. Thanks, Roscoe. Thanks for having me. Oh, absolute pleasure. Pleasure's all mine. (laughs) So Jackie, where, can, where do we start with a, our podcast and discussion with you? So let me summarise and tell me if I'm right or wrong. So first and foremost, a golfer and you have a love of golf and this is a My Love of Golf podcast. So you are here because you have a love of golf. Is that right. correct? Yeah, love of golf is probably correct yes. some days. Right. Um, a golfer is a very loose term, I think. But um, yeah, some days I love golf, some days I hate it. Yeah, well, that's... that occurs to us all but you you play a fair bit of golf is that right when i'm home and i'm not traveling yeah i do try and get out there i think it's a great um release for me especially to be outdoors as well because generally i'm locked locked down in a dungeon with no windows so locked down in a dungeon and at home so that leads (laughs) us to the other part of your life and that is you are and correct me if i'm wrong i think i'm right australia's most winning female professional poker player is that correct that is correct well there's a lot to unpack there and you know we had a little bit of a a pre pre pre-podcast discussion there and as i thought and as you know you articulated there's a lot of similarities between the world of professional poker and maybe the world of professional golf so we might talk about that for a little bit yeah and then the other thing and a lot of people are probably familiar with you from this 2018 series of survivor challenges versus champions yep where you were one of the stars i was i was um i was asked to go on the show as one of the champions Mm -hmm. um because of my poker achievements so and i've always been a really big fan of survivor so i definitely couldn't pass that opportunity up it was amazing so if it's all right with you we'll probably spend a little bit of time giving everyone a little bit of behind the scenes about the world of survivor and what it's like to be on set and a participant, and because I think more people are reality TV watchers than, than admit. Yeah, <laughs> I, uh, it's a guilty pleasure, I think, for a lot of people, even if, yeah, like you say, they don't want to admit it. Yeah, I think if we had a little goggle box type view into everyone's house, that uh, you know, a lot of the listeners are sitting at home watching some level of reality TV. So it's very, very good that we've got you on because it is. We are on the, on the doorstep of the new season about to hit. Yes, I'm so excited. Less than a week away, we've got um, All-Stars starting. Mm-hmm. I'm not on it. No, but some of your very – well, I don't know if they're friends or not, but some of the people that you were on with in 2018 are back on. They are, and I have um, some people that I'm really friendly with as yeah. well from past seasons as well. So um, Survivor – we we do tend to come together as a family, and I tend I don't know it's strange. I'm I'm really close to some of the um the players from previous seasons, maybe even closer than I was with people that were on my own. Yeah. So yeah. Well, it's uh, 
you know, it's that uh, world that only few get a, a peek into, and I'm sure I can see why it would bring you all together as that sort of family bond. So let's talk about that in a bit. But and you're also Jamie's wife. Of how many how many years have you guys been married? Ah, uh, I, I, I try not to think about it. <laughs> but a few. Yeah, uh, a long and time. And what is it? I was 19 when we got married. Well, what, what am I now? 35. So, yeah, no. <laughs> and that's no, a that's I, a massive no. a massive <laughs> achievement in itself. That, so it's no. a massive achievement in itself, which uh, so well done. And uh, I can see I can see why you're a wonderful couple, and I'm sure you enjoy your golf together. No, we don't <laughs> really. Actually, it's probably all- the opposite. I, we rarely play together, right. and um, even the last time we played together was just the other night. We played just a twilight game at Peninsula, um, and yeah, we had a big fight. So. That didn't end well. <laughs> well, let's talk about your golf. So when did you start playing golf? When did it become a thing for you? So I Jamie has always played golf, like pretty much from the day we got married. I think he went out and played golf the morning of our wedding day. And I just never, ever played. And then we moved here to Settlers Run, I, I'm going to say six years ago. Mm-hmm. I could be – it could be five. Anyway – Part of our body corporate here included two golf memberships and I never played golf up to that point. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I being the kind of stubborn person that I am, I was like, I'm not paying for a golf membership and not going to play, so I'm going to go out and play. So that's kind of how I started playing and then because I'm really competitive, then I just wanted to get better. Yeah, it's hard when you travel. Like there are periods of time where I'm away for, you know, two or three months and I don't pick up a golf club mm. and then it's kind of frustrating to get back and swing the club again and go back to square one. So if you're not play, playing with uh, my mate sitting over there listening in, who do you play with then? I actually come out here with the ladies at Settlers Run mm. and it's just one of those things where I come out here and I just I enjoy the company and I try not to put too much pressure on myself out here because in my poker career that's all I do you know it's so much pressure and mm. every decision I make has consequences and big consequences as well so I just try and come out and play golf and enjoy it mm-hmm. I love being outdoors as well and it's just nice to relax and have a good time with the ladies and I have to admit I am a really big fan of the 19th as well <laughs> so, <laughs> so yeah I, I it's just nice to get out there and as far as poker is concerned to um, women are making up less than five percent of the fields. Mm. So, for a travelling poker player, um, and especially from Australia, there's hardly anyone playing. I'm really close to one other female player that does travel around, but other than that, I'm not. I'm kind of out there on my own yeah. as far as females go. So it's really nice to get out here and play with other women. Obviously, women still make up a minority in golf, yep. which is a shame. But it does take up so much time as well, and I mm. think that's probably one of the reasons why we still do. But it's just nice to get out there with some female company as well. Are the girls fairly competitive that you're playing with? Some are, and some aren't. Yeah. So, but we're respectful of that, you know. People play for different reasons, and yeah. you know you can still go out there and have fun. You know the people that you need to respect when they're even before they're hitting the ball when they're getting ready like we're quiet but then there's other people you know you don't have to be you can kind of still mess around with a little yeah. bit because they're not so concerned about it so you know who those people are and and you're just respectful of why people are out there and yeah just mindful of it I suppose 
How many uh, ladies would front up for the settlers competition? What 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 day? What day is that? A when? A Tuesday or Wednesday or um, what day? Saturday? No, so it's we don't have like a ladies competition right. here. It's just men's and ladies. Yep. Obviously, cool. we have separate comps, but yep. we all play on the same days. Yep. So, so, so at settlers, the the fields are ladies, men yes. all the time. There would be a big problem for me if it wasn't yeah. that. There would be a carry on for yep. sure. Yep. <laughs> well, it still exists at a number of courses, I know, and and. Yeah. You know, we're not going to go down that rabbit hole of having discussions around there. You know, there are there's reasons why it can exist. I'm personally on the side of your side, and not just just saying that because you know you're sitting opposite me. But uh, you know, I'll declare that in a recent survey of our golf club, mm-hmm. one of the bits of feedback that I, I said was with 36 holes, it just makes no sense that we have you know these segregated timesheets and spots available. It just should be all in. You can play whoever you are, whenever you are, and whenever you can. Yes, for sure. And that's one of the things I love to hear about Settlers Run as well. It is great. Like women and men play on the same days. And even with the comps, um, while they are kept separate on a Saturday, I can still play with the men Mm. and put my scorecard in and be in the ladies comp. It doesn't matter. So, yeah, yeah, it's a very all-inclusive golf club, which is great. Now, we're here at Settlers Run and, you know, we're surrounded by nice golf course, beautiful golf course and wonderful homes. Are a lot of the members, you know, part of the community here in Botanic Ridge? Yes. Yes. So I would say majority of them are. And on a Saturday, any given Saturday, um, we're not a big club by any means, but on any given Saturday at the end of the round, um, we would have at least 20 ladies probably play and we all sit together. We don't actually even sit in our groups. We put all the tables together and we all sit around one table together Mm -hmm. here. The men all kind of sit in their little groups, but we all sit together and have a drink. So it's really nice. But, um, the 19th yeah. hole. And then because um, we are a community, a golf community, then you know people are kind of jumping in their carts at the end of the day and just, you know, nicking off home. Topping off. Yeah. So if you were you're running golf, what would you do to encourage more women to play golf? I actually think a lot's been done since even I started playing. Mm-hmm. One of the main reasons I didn't start playing earlier because Jamie was playing for such a long time and I would go along and he'd say, you know, let's just hire you a set and have a hit. Mm -hmm. But they were so restrictive with dress codes and things like that as well. You know, I had to find a skirt that went down to my knee or, Mm. you know, it was just, you know, it just wasn't really that inviting. Mm. And now they've relaxed a a lot of those kind of rules. They've made ladies feel more inclusive I mean, like what settlers do here, we're not felt, we don't feel like we're associates, you know, we mm-hmm. are part of the club. Um, and I think those kind of things do really make a difference. Mm-hmm. And when the women that play here talk to friends, you know, like come down and have a hit, you know, we have a thing called tea to green here when new members come down and, and lady members will come along and help them learn the rules. And, you know, we just are really inclusive and we make sure that no one feels intimidated because there's so many rules yeah. on the golf course as yeah. well. And generally it's hard for a woman to find another woman that is playing to get, to get out on the course and play and learn those rules. And she doesn't want to necessarily go out and play with men. So yeah. it, it makes it hard because we are a minority, but I think it, it is getting better. I definitely feel that there is a perception that golf is a challenging game to get into based on a lot of 
you know, what you articulated as things that you try and avoid, you know, like rules and, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance. And, and as you say, you know, Settlers is one of those clubs that's really trying to go away from that and make it inviting. And I just think if if this perception could change and, and we could all get behind understanding that golf's an easy game to come down and pick up one, two or three clubs and just go out and hit a ball. And as you very said at the right at the start, you like being outside. Yeah. I, I refer to my wife, uh, Alex, love you darling, um, as Mrs. My Love of Golf. There is not a hope in, in Hades that I'm going to get her out onto a golf course because she just thinks that it's a, a challenging environment to be in. And I try and present it as it's a walk in the park. And even if you're not hitting a golf ball, let me do the golf ball hitting. It's just a walk in the park. And for me, that's a massive part of the appeal of golf. Yeah. And uh, I see all the guys out there walking in the mornings. And so I think whatever we can do to get them walking on the golf course and hitting a little white ball, all for it. Definitely. I think, too, here at Settlers, it's probably an easier challenge for us too because we have the community here yep. on the course. Yep. So there's women here living on the course that think might think to themselves, you know, oh, maybe I might want to get out there and play. It's, mm-hmm. it's easy for us to make a connection to them, yep. get them down on the range, teach them the rules and make them feel comfortable and get them out on the course. Yep. But I think reaching out to the broader community is still a, a, a big challenge. So let's go to when you are on the course and challenges. You know, you're a fairly competitive young lady. Are you throwing a few challenges out there to the ladies? Are you, <laughs> are you uh, bringing that competitive spirit to the fore? And Yeah, look, it's funny because I know I'm a poker player, but I'm not really much of a gambler, but I, I like to little, put a little wage, <laughs> wager out there a little bit. So, yeah, I'm always, like, throwing bets out there as far as, you know, we like – I like to do, like, some skins and closest to the pins and – on par threes and yeah, hitting greens and regulations on par fours and stuff like that. But so, do you find that something that helps you with your focus and, and executing a shot, or is there something that's just a bit of fun? Yeah, uh, I don't know if it necessarily helps me with my focus. I find it probably more of a mental game for me. There, I like to get under some of the, <laughs> into some of the other ladies' <laughs> minds and put the pressure on them and see them like, or like one of my friends would say, she folds like a pack of cards every time we do it and I'll like, you know, just get a little bit into her head. I don't know, maybe it's my poker per- personality coming out a little bit, just trying to get someone to maybe just doubt themselves a little bit. and well, It's just like we yeah. like to get into Jamie's head, which is a pretty easy gig. <laughs> yeah, true, <laughs> true. That's, that's too easy. That's no challenge there. Oh, dear. A little bit more on golf. So you travel. But if you stalk back through a little bit of your Instagram world, I think you've combined a little bit of golf and travel over the journey. Is that right? I, do, I do try to. It's hard because if I'm just going to one place, it's not, not such a challenge to just take a set of clubs. Mm-hmm. But when you're getting on multiple flights, you know what it's like. Yeah. You know, I'm away from home for a long period of time, so I've already got a lot of luggage, and then to be kind of carting around a golf bag as well mm. is just too much. And some of those internal flights as well, it, they just don't allow Quite enough. Yeah. yeah, they're just restrictive with luggage. So sometimes I just don't take them because it just seems like so much of a hassle. But I regret it every time because then when I've got days off, I want to be outside and I want to be doing something active because I sit in a chair all day. Yeah. So it's nice to get out there and, and play some golf. But So where have you played? You've, you, where have you played when you've been overseas? Where, where, holidays, work or whatever, but where, where, where do you play um, that you've liked? Majority of the time is over in the States yeah. where I play. So pretty much I spend a lot of time over in 
Vegas. So mm-hmm. then we'll go to Palm Springs, which obviously has so many golf courses over mm-hmm. there. I haven't played a lot over in Europe at all, but I think sometimes I'm over there in winter and that as yeah. well, so it's not really no. that appealing. Give it but a miss. No, yeah, give that a miss. So Palm Springs, where, where, what are your favorite, what's your favourite course in Palm Springs that you've played? I don't know. I, I mean, there's so many out there. It's it's hard to say. I think just even like the like the PGA West yeah. kind of courses out there are fun. Yeah. And some of their bunkers out there are like crazy as mm-hmm. well. I really like Wolf Creek out at Mesquite, which mm-hmm. is just outside of Vegas. Not from I, – I mean, I don't think it's a champion golf course as far as – like I don't think they're going to be playing any tournament on it soon, but as far as aesthetically – that course is just so beautiful and every hole is so picturesque. I just love it. So as a – you haven't been golfing for 20-plus years or so, but as a, a newer golfer, what did you think when you first saw one of those courses in the desert? Because I, I, I went to Palm Springs in 1987. That shows you how old I am. And I, was, I, was, I remember what I experienced and how I felt about it. What was your experience you know, in the desert? Because it's, it's a mind-blowing experience for those yeah, who haven't seen it. Yeah, for sure. I mean, to be honest – we have some beautiful courses here in Australia and I've been really, really lucky. Play out at Capital mm-hmm. through my connections at Crown and um, play some amazing courses here in Australia. But when you get out there and you see some of those courses and and I think because of their landscape around it, it's just every corner you kind of turn, it's just I, I just get my, like I've got my iPhone out the whole time just pretty much taking photos yeah. all day. And, you, and we've... I suppose it's what you're used to as well. Like I play out here at Settlers and we've got kangaroos jumping around, but you go out there and you've got, yeah. you know, big horns and yeah. like, you know, just coyotes running around and things that we're not used to seeing. It's it's amazing. Yeah, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. Yeah, no, the desert for me was uh, a real mind blower. I said big cactuses and just to th- see that, you know, the landscape just around the place is desert and all of a sudden you've got this beautiful green golf course. And just I, I couldn't understand as a young fella, but uh, I can't wait to get back there. So let's go into talking a little bit about, you know, your world as a professional poker player. And I'm interested to hear a little bit about that. And we were thinking and talking around the differences between professional golf and golfers and then professional poker players and poker players. Mm -hmm. And there seems to be some sort of alignment to, you know, professional golf and professional poker and some of the disciplines and strategies and the thinking and the mental side of it. You're perfectly positioned to talk us through that. So what's the world of a professional poker p- player like? Well, that depends on the player, I, yes. I suppose, as well. But um, it's funny because so many golfers love poker and there's so many poker players that play golf as mm. well. But I think that, like you do, you did say, that there are so many similarities between the game, even though you think one's sitting down in a chair and there's no physical aspect to it, but... Discipline is one, like the decisions you're making, like every hand that you play and every decision you make at at a poker table is similar to every shot that you might hit out on the golf course. Risk versus reward. Yeah, just the decisions that you make on a golf course, you need to weigh up, is that the best decision right now in this moment based on where I am in a tournament or you know, who I'm up against, if you're in a match play situation even. Um, it's the same as at, at the poker table as well. But, yeah, I think it's the the thing too is that 
even though they have those similarities, they are so different as well. So it's it's great for me to get out of the chair and mm-hmm. then get outside and yeah. outdoors yeah. and relax. But they're both very social mm-hmm. as well. They're, they're two sports. Like you don't see tennis players chatting to each other on the tennis court, but you'll see golfers having a bit of a chat mm-hmm. during a round. You know, they don't talk excessively, but... At a poker table, you'll have a conversation with your opponents as well. You know, they're still social games. Mm-hmm. And I think probably that their similarities as well. I think golfers and, and poker players have that in common. So a typical poker tournament, what does that look like? What does that build up or the lead up or the week or the, the whole you know thing look like? Yeah, so like a main event in a poker tournament is very, very similar to like a, a golf tournament yeah. where – the difference is that you don't have to have qualified for that poker tournament. If you can put up the, the actual buy-in, mm-hmm. you can enter the poker tournament. So it would be like an amateur golfer being able to go out and go, okay, I want to pay $10,000 to play in the biggest... In, what, in whatever golf tournament. Whatever golf tournament they yeah. wanted. And then the draw was randomly done and then they got paired up with Tiger Woods in one of the rounds, and yeah. they got to play alongside one of their idols. That's what poker like has this thing where an amateur could sit alongside mm-hmm. the best poker player in the world, mm. and that's an amazing thing. Has it ever happened? Does, does yeah. that happen? That, yeah. that, that Some guy or girl comes along, fronts up the, the buy-in, and then goes high in yeah. the tournament? Yeah. yeah, I mean, definitely, because poker has an element of luck yeah. involved Big poker tournaments are similar to golf tournaments where they do run over four or five days as well. Mm. So that luck has to kind of last that amount of time as well, but it can it can happen. So it's like a round robin? Is it like a knockout or it's a knockout. knockout. So you you pay your money and you get your chips and once those chips have you've lost them, then you're out of the tournament. And then let's say a hundred people enter a tournament, the top ten percent Generally, around 10 to 12% will get paid, mm-hmm. which is like making the cut yep. in a golf tournament. The difference is in a golf tournament, most of the prize money comes from sponsors. And in a poker tournament, all of the prize money comes from the buy-ins from the players. So the entire prize pool is made up from the poker players' money that they buy in with. Yeah, right. So in the world of poker, are individuals sponsored by people? How, do, how does that happen? Yeah, you can get yes. sponsorships, but that's the same as being like sponsored by Titleist or Callaway Callaway or yeah it's exactly the same a company could sponsor a poker tournament but it would go to the running of the the tournament it wouldn't go into the prize pool yeah right so accommodation and generally it would go to the venue and how the venue was set up the tables or you know the the venue generally would take a rake out of the players Mm -hmm. but if they're a if a company wanted to sponsor it, it would just mean that the venue was probably better set up. Mm. Yeah. So who are the big names in professional poker? Uh, they change a lot, but, you know, we have – there's well-known players, like, you know, we have, like, Daniel Negreanu and, and people that are really well-known. But at the moment we have, like, some Australians that are doing really, really well, like Cal Burns is doing really well, Robert Campbell's doing really well. Um, everyone knows Joe Hashem. He's a really, like, household name as far as poker goes, but we've got some really good, young, up-and-coming, like, poker players that because we don't see as much 
poker on TV as we used to. Um, we don't have poker magazines anymore because there's some legal issues with that. Yeah. It's just not covered as much anymore because mm-hmm. um, there's issues with sponsorship and that. But um, poker in Australia is looking really healthy at the moment, so that's really great. And overseas, it's still massive, like the US is a, obviously the it's still It's really healthy. Yeah. Our numbers are great. It's just as far as media goes and getting sponsors and stuff like that, it's just really hard because we can't play online here in Australia no. at the moment. Um, it's still banned in virtually every state in the States as well. Yeah, it's just difficult at the moment. So mm. there's just, you know, a lot of red tape at the moment. So um, when's your next venture into that world? When are you taking off again for that? Um, I actually have a Australian Poker League or APL tournament coming up. Um, the start of March, it's called the APL Million, and that's at the Star in Sydney. Yeah, that's a, a really great event that is will have both recreational and professional players playing in it, mm-hmm. and um, a really good um, event and one of my favourite events of the whole year, so I'm really looking forward to that. And then... Obviously, I've got World Series coming up in kind of June as well, and I'm, I'm not really sure. I'm not really good with my schedule. We talked about it before, and while it comes to my mind, so we talked about the disciplines of playing poker, and you know, you mentioned like the mathematical skill or mm-hmm. the people reading skill. Mm-hmm. I was intrigued by that because you know, I, when poker was on Foxtel, and I'd quite often catch it late at night. Yeah. And I was always intrigued watching it. You know, I'm not a I'm not a poker player, so and I know how to play poker, but not obviously not very well. But I was more so intrigued about watching the people. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it probably says that I'm a bit more of a people person. I'm a math, math, mathematical, you know, dope. But um, I was more interested in watching the people and the the whole guys behind some of the people and the setup and the glasses and the hats and the and the looking and no looking and the is that a thing? You know, is that What's, what's all that about? Is it I show mean, part of the show or is it real? There are some people that wear, like, you know, mirrored glasses and uh-huh. things like that. I mean, it really depends on whether you're worried about a tell or not. There's some guys even that will wear a scarf around their neck. There's You can get a tell of people with their pulse on their neck, you know. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, so you're sitting there looking for the carotid yeah. artery to see so some guys will wear a scarf around their neck and just make sure they cover it. A mouth is a really big tell as well, people licking their lips or kind of biting their mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so a lot of times then they'll cover the scarf over their mouth. They, just want, don't, they don't want people to see their breathing right. like that. They don't want people to see their eyes. You know, I think... It's like anything, if you think that you can even get a little 1% edge, yeah. like why not take it? Yep. But saying that, I I don't wear glasses at the table. And, I mean, if I wore a hoodie, it's not over my head. Let's just say that. It's just, <laughs> it just happens yeah. that I've worn a, a jumper that has a hood on it. Like it never goes over my head. Yeah. Um, and I think, too, it sometimes especially when we have recreational players and professional players sitting at the same table, it can be really intimidating for the recreational players. And I'm not saying that a professional player should 
take that into such an account that's going to be detrimental to their game. But as far as poker is concerned, the more recreational players that are coming into the game, the healthier it is mm. for poker in general. And the bigger the prize pools are going to be, um, we want poker to grow. Mm-hmm. So we want to be encouraging more players to feel comfortable at the table and, yeah. and sitting there with a scarf over your face and mirrored glasses on isn't that inviting. It's an uncomfortable, could be uncomfortable for recreational players. You're mm. not chatting to them, they're uncomfortable, they feel intimidated. Um, and same for a lot of women don't like to play poker. They're at a table full of men and, yeah, I think... It's really important that we're making these, we're making poker grow through these groups and not making these people feel uncomfortable. Exclusive, yeah. But professional poker is is mixed. It's men and women playing together. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Intriguing, intriguing indeed. Now, the other part of your journey that we talked about was the uh, survivor story, and as as I intimated. We all love reality TV, whether you admit it or not. <laughs> I'm, on the, I'm thinking that everyone's sitting at home getting ready for uh, Survivor Champions versus uh, Challengers coming up. You were on that. Once again, is that everything? You know, is what we see really what's happening there? Is it, is it TV, you know, reality is reality on the, si- on the set side or is it what you see and then versus what you see behind the scene different? It's actually really, really tough out there. Yeah. It's um, we really are thrown out there, out in the jungle, pretty much. So it's um, in, in Fiji. Yeah, are you in Fiji. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's not always sunny, Fiji. No. It can be freezing at night time. If it's rain during the day, like we are lying on the ground, and our shelter isn't waterproof. So if it's rained, the palm fronds that fronds that we'd have laid down as some sort of bedding on the ground would fill with water and then would get little tiny little bugs in them and they'd be biting you through the night and you'd be freezing and you'd be wet and there's no showers even if you're wet to the skin and shaking and cold there's no soap there's no hairbrush there's no toothbrushes like you are no deodorant we all stunk (laughs) terribly but I think because we all kind of smell the same, you don't really realise it, but production pretty much say that when we walk past them, they're all like just pretty much putting their hand over their faces like, oh, they stink. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, it's it's pretty tough. So that's the other part that I find that I'm I'm always the guy that on TV, not on TV, but I'm the guy thinking about TV and I'm sitting there with Mrs. My Love of Golf. She's very absorbed in what's happening yeah. and, and the, the story behind it. And I'm following the story, but I'm thinking about where's the guy with the camera? Where's the person holding the microphone? Where are all these other people and how are they interacting? Yeah, we're not so, allowed to talk to any of the crew at all. Yeah. And even if we ask them a question, like if I said, what, what time are we going to the challenge yep. they, they just totally ignore me like, yeah, right. like I've spoken to the tree pretty much and that's the one thing I was really grateful of, there was a long drop there which we <laughs> had to share between all of us I'm really glad I didn't have to dig a hole and do that so I'm really not a camper whatsoever no the only time I've gone camping I make sure it's at a powered site and I take my Nespresso machine it's called me. that's called glamping no that's not glamping <laughs> it was still in a tent yeah okay 
<laughs> I took the futon mattress with me though. Right. So I didn't. You know. What did Jamie do? Well, it was a double futon. Oh, okay. Yeah. Fair. And doona and things like that. So it was all set up like a proper bed in there. It's pretty comfortable camping. It was pretty comfortable. Pretty comfortable yeah. camping. You can there were showers and things. Like you can nearly put like a G on it and call it clamping. Okay. It, <laughs> yeah, I'm not, a, I'm not a camper. No, <laughs> no, me either. So, for the benefit of uh, you know, the handful of people listening uh, in the UK, maybe in uh, in the states, a long drop. What's that? Oh, is that Australian? I think it is. Okay. Maybe I'm not. Maybe it's kind of like just a big long, deep hole that has. Well, it wasn't a toilet seat. It was like, I don't know, a wooden box kind of sitting on it. It's a toilet, people. It's a toilet. And if you've watched uh, Survivor, if you've watched, uh, you know, I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here, it's always spoken about. The long drop, the long drop, the long drop. It's disgusting. It's disgusting, I could imagine. Anyway, I don't want to talk about it anymore. But just for those of you that are worrying what the long drop was, that's what it is. It's the dunny. And you kind of go through sawdust on it when you finish. Oh, nice. Okay, next. So some of the people that you... Uh, we're a participant with the coming back to the current series. Mm-hmm. Who have you got? You've got uh, Lydia. Yep. Loved Lydia. You've got uh, Maddie Rogers. Yep. You've got the other one, the other girl that I loved, Shane Gould. Yes. Who else have you got? From my you, season. Yeah, from the, your your buddies. Sean. Sean. Yeah. Okay. Moana. All oh, right, Moana's. Yep. Yeah. Footy player. Yep. yep. Zach. Don't, I can't remember him. Zach was the one that was like, <laughs> you know, commenting about the, the other girls' butts and so on. Oh, right, okay, yeah. the inappropriate one, yes. Yeah. There's always one of those, yes. Shawnee. Uh-huh. I think that's it from my season. A couple of fairly competitive people in that, that set there. Yes. You know, so obviously the winner and I think the surprise packet that stuck out was Shane Gould. Yes. I don't know, you know, like. You probably wouldn't have expected Shane Gould to win when you turned that on for the first time, but no. she did win. Yes. She was a hero of mine as a kid because I was a swimmer uh, as a water polo player and she was always intrigued me that she was so good at so young and she did so yeah. well and then gave it away. And I sort of felt a little bit, you know, when I gave golf away, you know, like that no, was all right, Shane Gould gave it away. But she was a swimmer and I always admired her for the swimming, but she was amazing. She was amazing because I completely – discounted her when I was out there. I was like, well, we don't need to really worry about Shane because she'll go, we can worry about getting yeah. rid of her down the track. We don't really need to worry about it. She's not going to do anything. Yeah. And then she wins it. Yeah. <laughs> so do you get other relationships that you see when you're watching a show like Survivor? Are they real? You know, there's some friendly banter and there's some unfriendly banter. And To be honest, it's really hard. Like when you're out there, pretty much they film for two days and then – they show like a, a an episode, but that two days is at your camp and the other camp because I didn't make merge, so I was out there. I think maybe twenty seven days in total. But so what are we talking about? Forty eight hours on my camp, forty eight hours on the other camp, so ninety six hours, and then they make a one hour show from that ninety six hours of footage. So it's fairly edited, is what you're saying. It is very edited, and when I say edited, I'm not saying that they're Twisting things, mm. not saying that they're not. Right. But if they need some, some good TV, possibly some things could be misconstrued a little bit. Mm-hmm. But saying that, you don't really see the deep friendships and the connections and the some of the important conversations that happen, you know, like, you know, when I'm watching it back, I was like, oh, I think they really should have shown the conversation that, you know, Lydia and Sean had 
prior to that or yeah. whatever it might have been. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think made a really um, – had really nice friendships out there with Brian and mm. Monica and got along really well with Sean and Lydia as well and Sam. We were like – you have to kind of make some sort of friendships but at the end of the day it's a very psychological show to be on because you actually really can't trust anyone. Mm. And that really does your head in. You're used to being – like. At the poker table, I'm used to being sitting at the table and I know people are after me, but mm. they're not pretending they're not, yeah. you know. It's they're, they're in front of you, they're sitting around a table like we are now. They're, they're trying to get my chips, mm. you know, they're trying to deceive me. Yeah. I know that that's what they're trying to do. Yeah. And at the end of the day, I come home to my family and friends and I know that they're the people I can trust, but there there's, there's no one that you can turn to. Like literally you are out there 24 hours a day and someone that you're friends with has gone missing for half an hour and where are they? And are they plotting behind your back? And then they come back and they might seem a bit strange and you start getting all paranoid and it's actually... So that's real, you know. So you see that. That comes across very much so, I think, and, and yeah. that's obviously real. Yeah, it's, it's mm. you know, you're out there with people you can't trust mm. even though you need to somehow form some friendships because yeah. you can't survive out there without them, but... I don't know, possibly that's why I have some good connections with people that weren't on my season because I wasn't out there trying to backstab them and they weren't out there trying to backstab me. So yeah. maybe, I, I don't know. But So you stay in contact with that uh, group of people, is it? Yeah, we all, we all stay in contact. Um, I stay in contact with some more than others. And, yeah, I talk to people from the other seasons maybe a little bit more than I talked to the ones from my yeah. season. But, yeah, um, I've got some favourites and some not-so-favourites. So do you have a tip for this season that's coming about to come up? Do you think that someone will dominate? Do you think we'll see a, a rise to ascension with uh, you know, some new player? Or, or don't you ever, you never just know? Look, I'm really barracking hard for AK. He's... He's my favourite player. AK being? He was on season two. Mm-hmm. He made the chicken idol. Yes. Yeah. I don't know. I think we're just kind of a little similar. I, I suppose he's a little bit of a snake. Maybe a little bit like me as well. He did some fake tears on his season like I did on mine. I don't know. I just would really like to see him do well. Yeah. And I really like Henry as well. Then there's some people I really would be happy if they didn't do well. But I'm not <laughs> going to mention No, that. no, no. No, I'm not going to ask. Did, did you go in with a, a mindset? Did, and the mindset changed very quickly. I, I, I'm struggling to sort of get out what I want to ask, but did you? how did you feel when you went there? You I know? was like, it was frightening. Yeah. Like, you know, you're literally so out of your comfort zone. And I didn't want to tell people I was a poker player either because I didn't think anyone would trust me. Already I'm going into a situation where no one was trusting anyone and then I'm going to tell them I'm a, I'm a poker player and I was just thinking they're going to be like, well, how are we going to trust anything, she says, because she bluffs yeah. for yeah. a living. Yeah. Like, we're not going to trust her. So I came up with the idea that I would tell them that I got picked to go on the Champions Tribe because I was Australia's fastest Rubik's Cube. Speed Cube player. Speed Cuber. <laughs> and I was like, look, I don't make any money from it. I don't even know how they found out that I had the fastest time, but... They didn't show the background of what I was saying. I didn't go in there going, you know, I'm the champion Rubik's Cube person. I make all this money from... I just go, you know, I've got the fastest time for a female in Australia. And they found that out and they just wanted someone that was good at puzzles. So 
they they bought it and even afterwards when we left the show Lydia messaged me and she was like oh I bought my kids a Rubik's Cube each you're gonna have to teach them how to do it and I'm like Lydia you know I'm not really a Rubik's Cube chat, right? So you went in worried about them being a bluff, you know, picking you out for bluffing and you went in with a bluff. Yeah, yeah right. pretty much. But um, I think to going in there not being my full self, like I had to carry off this lie as well, like was just really difficult. You know, I'm a pretty genuine person. Mm. Like I say, at the poker table, you might be bluffing or you might be trying to deceive people, but there's people know that, you mm. know, it's not. Yeah. I'm not hiding what I'm doing. Like, that's what we do at the table. Like, you know, I am a genuine person. I'm sitting at a poker table trying to take your chips. Yeah. You know that about me. So, I don't know. It's just more difficult. I, I don't think I could be my real self and I don't think it came across – I came across more shady than probably I should have at that point because I just don't think I could – I couldn't tell them things about my life. You know, I couldn't talk to them like – about why I was travelling to America or doing things. You know, I couldn't participate in some conversations. Like, I felt like there were a lot of parts of my life where I couldn't contribute to conversations or couldn't be part of things because it would give away my story. So, Mm. yeah, it it just made things more difficult out there. Well, I don't think – I didn't know you back then, but certainly I remember um, playing golf, you know, Wellness Wednesday with Jamie quite often through that time and – and also with Shura, and yeah, you know, Shura was so engaged; like he was so involved yeah. in, in what was going on. It was great. So uh, I certainly uh, enjoyed following along and following you along, and uh, you know, and just getting to know you since it's been absolute pleasure. I love the fact that you enjoy your golf, and you know, one day we'll get out there and have a game. And uh, have you had a hole in one? No. All right. <laughs> Glaze is sitting over there and his head just rocks back. He goes, oh, he's a hole-in-one story again. I'm pretty sure I'll get it before Jamie, though. We, we, should ha- we should have something on that. I think we should. I think we should. Because Jamie's right up for a bet for things. Uh, you know, he's got a birdie that he has to get on the 18th at Peninsula. I hope he's told you about that as well. But uh, that's for another day, maybe. So I love the fact that you're uh, loving your golf and let's get out there and have a game. Any questions for me? Anything else that uh, yeah, we need to cover off? That uh, little nuggets of gold that we've left off the table? No, I don't I think, think we've, so. I think I think we've, we've covered it all. I hope that we have done uh, justice to letting people know a little bit more about you, Jackie. And any women out there listening, get out there at your local course. I just want to put it out yes. there. Uh, to be honest, the first time I went out there and played with the ladies, you know, I felt like nervous about it and mm-hmm. I'm saying it was – one of the best things I did and I've made some really true great friendships out there as well and it's one of my favourite things to do now just to get out there and, yeah, get out there to your local course and just give it a crack. You know what? And if you don't like it, then don't go back again. But you know what? Just give it a go. You can't lose anything and you can only have fun. There's only upside and, as you say, if you don't like it... There's always the 19th. Exactly. There's always the 19th. But (laughs) the game needs more empowering women like yourself and uh it's been a real privilege and a pleasure for me to sit alongside you uh i thank you for uh giving up your man over there for the mental mastery golf podcast and uh gets him out of my hair gets him out of your gets him out of your hair but he's he's been great for uh for me to partner up with on this and i've learned a lot so appreciate everything that you've done and appreciate you coming on and uh until next time thank you for listening if you want to uh follow jackie and and learn a little bit more and follow the uh the journey where can we find you jackie you can just 
Pretty much find me on Facebook under Jackie Glazier or Jackstar Glazier on Instagram. Beautiful. Well, do that, and uh, and you might you might just uh, see Jackie popping up on a table somewhere around the country, all around the world. Until next time, guys. Thanks for tuning in again. Thanks for loving the my love of golf. <laughs>